0: Hey, uh, I want to share with you a message now that God's put on my heart for this particular service. And uh, those of you who have been following our church services through December, we've been in a series we've called Gifted. And we've looked at the Christmas story through the lens of of gifted. And uh, today I want to add another message into that to that series of preachers that i'm calling the saving gift the saving gift now i need to build a quick picture for you to to lay a platform here we are picture the scene here we are in eden and god is walking in the garden with man no hindrance to relationship no judgment no expectation just life and relationship and love it's perfection just the whole potential of unexplored places and just greatness can you just picture that scene for a moment now I don't know if many of you watch the program Strictly Come Dancing now, years ago, I thought I would have been talking to the women, but I know that there's a whole bunch of guys that love Strictly Come Dancing too. I know this because I've had lots of texts from people saying, "Who do you think's going to win?" And we've all marvelled this year, those of you who watch it, at Bill Bailey, because Bill Bailey's a, an older guy, you know, not particularly in great shape, but he's been absolutely brilliant. He's just every single week, he's just nailed it. He's he's quick on his feet. He's He's got the rhythm, he's got the swag, he's unbelievably good. But here's the thing that I've noticed. Any of the celebrities who go on to the the later stages of the competition get better and better and better. And the reason that is, I believe, is that they put their total trust in the professional dancer. They walk out the whole process with them and they trust them. And what happens on the journey is that the professional dancer is able to bring out in the celebrity gifts they had in them. They didn't even know they were there. And 10 weeks into the competition, they look back and they go, I never thought I was gonna be able to do that and yet they can why because they put their trust in the pro and they danced with the pro and they brought stuff out of them and what happens is you find yourself celebrating them you watch the program you go oh that was brilliant that wasn't it makes you laugh it puts a smile on your face it sparks joy it's just a really great program because you can see people going on the journey and here's what I want to say here's the link I want to make God is inviting humanity into a dance of life with him. You see, there he is in the garden and he says, look at all this, it's yours to explore and I want to walk it out with you. But if you will trust me, I'm going to bring things out in you you never knew were there and you're going to do things you never thought you were going to be able to do because this is a celebration of life. I'm your father in heaven and I want to dance this life with you and bring stuff out in you but it's going to mean you trusting me. You're going to have to go on a journey with me and we are going to find things that we can do that we never thought we'd ever do and we're going to look back and it's going to spark joy. It's going to put a smile on our face and it's going to be a feast of life. That right there, I think is a great picture of what God always intended. The truth is, unfortunately, humanity's come a long way from that picture. You know, we're so far from it. And God wants to put it right. He's always wanted to put it right. And his answer to this problem is who we are celebrating today. Let me give you two scriptures. The first one here is in Luke chapter 2 and verse 11. And it says this, Today in the town of David a savior has been born to you he is the messiah the lord a savior has been born to you it says and then in John 3:16 and 17 John 3:16 arguably the most famous bible verse there is and then adding 17 to it because it brings context it says this For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Can you see the link? In the first verse, we're saying a saviour has been born. In the second verse, it says God didn't send him into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. So there's these two links as Jesus is announced. There's these two links. To, to do with saving and I love to add verse 17 onto John 3 16 because I think it shifts something for everyone you know he didn't send Jesus in to condemn the world Con- condemnation speaks of being told off because you got it wrong He didn't do that. He sent him in to save the world. And saving someone is really a picture of pulling someone out of struggle, pulling someone out of difficulty, pulling someone out of a horrendous situation. He didn't come to condemn us, but to save us. So I want to look at the gift we celebrate in Jesus through the eyes of saving. Note, God's motivation for sending Jesus was love. God so loved the world. He loves me. He loves you. He loves humanity. And his motivation for sending Jesus wasn't to condemn anyone, but to save us out of difficulty. Much of the Old Testament, those Bible scholars out there will know, is a forerunner and a shadow of what's going to become the the actual reality in the New Testament. And you'll find in the Old Testament, there was a period where God's people, the the Israelites, found themselves in slavery in Egypt. They were in horrendous circumstances. They were being forced to work in intolerable situations. The the, the conditions were terrible. They were being asked to do more and more and more with less produce in, in shorter amounts of time. It was just really, really difficult. The slave drivers, the Egyptian slave drivers were just ruthless. They just demanded more. And they pushed on, and they were they were just unbelievably harsh. And God's people were turning to God saying, Get us out of this, save us from this. This is just horrendous. Help us. And God speaks to Moses. Now you need to know that Moses is a forerunner for Jesus. There's these links in what he did, which points towards what Jesus is going to do. And this is the conversation with Moses and Jesus. Exodus 9, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord of, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me." And here we see God's heart. And God's heart is still the same today. He hasn't changed. His heart is broken for people who are boxed in. His heart is broken for people who are in slavery to unreasonable demands and are struggling so he raises up Moses and he empowers Moses from heaven and says to him go and get them out go and save them from it and they go on a journey because exactly that happens Moses goes in and over the course of time and a a whole bigger story Pharaoh agrees to let the people go they are saved out of the situation and then Moses takes them on a journey into promise God says, I've got better things for you. I've got a land for you that's awesome. And he takes them on a journey into promise. And while they're on the journey, they have to learn how to trust God again. They have to learn how to walk out life with him again. They have to learn how to dance with the father again, if I can use that language. You see, they've, not, they've lived in slavery for so long, they've forgotten what it's like to live in freedom. And they've forgotten what it's like to be free, to be at one with the Father and walk out and trust him and explore again. They've forgotten what it's like. And because they've been in slavery so long, what's happened is attitudes have got in there because the conditions have been so hard on them, it's changed how they see things. It's changed how they speak about things. It's changed how they think about things. It's got in them. You see, they're out of slavery now and heading towards promise. And they start to moan you know who loves a good moaner? they start saying we're hungry and they even say it was better back in Egypt at least we had good food then isn't it funny how when you're hungry you suddenly forget how horrendous it used to be you see they'd forgotten how difficult it was but God was gracious because he taught them how to trust him he rained food down from heaven daily and fed them in outrageous way. Do you know that their shoes and their clothes never wore out? You see, he was teaching them how to walk with him and trust him. He was leading them on a dance of life. He was showing them, you're not enslaved anymore. This is what freedom looks like. And I'm going to provide for you. And I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to lead you into promise. This is what walking with me was always supposed to be like. But the reality is, although he had got them out of Egypt, Egypt had gotten into them. And so he'd saved them out of Egypt, but now he had to to get Egypt out of them because their attitude needed to shift, and it took time, and it took a long time. And here's my parallel. You know, I can see parallels between the situation they found themselves in and how we live today. You see, we live in a world, I believe, with so much expectation on us there's so much uh, the performance involved there's so many um, places to reach for and, and goals to aim for all the time you know financial ach- achievement relational achievement what we should and shouldn't wear and what we should and shouldn't eat you know there's so many demands on on how we, to bring up our children and what jobs we've got to have and where we should live and there's these pressures to perform I- in our world and, and we find ourselves box in and although we we think we're not when you look at it we are and young people today are are growing up in this celebrity culture and it just puts huge demands on what they should wear and how they should look and financial wealth is such a massive goal and the reality is for the vast majority of young people they're never going to reach that And so they're clawing for and reaching for and gunning for something they're never going to get. And they're boxed in trying to get there and not getting there. And it's like slavery. You see, I see it as there's these unseen slave drivers saying, you've got to do more, you've got to earn more, you've got to look better, you've got to fit in. There's a society, and if you don't do this, you're not going to fit in, and no one's going to like you, and you're not going to be accepted, and you won't succeed. And we can't see it, but it's driving us. And this is where. I get sad, and I'm sure you get sad that I see people lashing out in life because they're frustrated and because they're hurt. You know, people are squashed in life, desperately trying to be themselves and not able to be themselves. And the thing is that we we develop behaviours which enable us to cope. And we develop behaviours which allow us to blot out the pain for a moment. You know, people are turning to alcohol because in that moment where they're having a drink, it blots out the pain of that failed relationship you know people are working longer and longer and longer and longer hours because they're trying to pay for the house that they bought because they were trying to keep up with everyone else and they probably should never have bought it and they've got themselves into massive debt trying to keep up and trying to do what's expected of them and life's being shifted and life's being stretched and here we are living in the midst of it people are gambling more than ever before in the hope that that financial win might solve all their issues you know people are being rejected from relationships because someone's had a better offer from somewhere else and people are carrying rejection of hurt because in the society we live in it's okay just to brush someone aside and move on and it's getting more and more common I believe we live in a culture that just lives for the weekend because, you know, you turn the radio on into popular station. It's all about the weekend. Why? Because we're slogging through Monday to Friday, working so hard to try and meet the bills. And when we get to the weekend, we've had enough. And we just want to break out. But is this how God wanted us to live? But it's the world we find ourselves in. Pornography has become a huge issue. It's become a massive addiction for both men and women now, by the way and what that does is it removes the pressure of relationship having to go on a journey of developing yourself and understanding how the other person developing and meeting in the middle and doing life together what pornography does is it allows you to make the other person an object of lust the difficulty with that is it's very difficult to then form relationships because you've got a mental image of what it should look like and it's, an, it's a false image and then you can't form relationships because of your addiction to something that's lustful And it's so, so common. And we think it's not a problem, but it's destroying lives. And we live in the midst of it. Behaviour is being changed because of the outside pressures. And the outside pressures are coming on us and getting into us. And it's causing us to look at people differently, look at situations differently, think about situations differently, and behave differently differently. And yet here we are in a world where we call ourselves free. And I'm not saying that every one of those situations to do with you, but I can be sure that some of them are. And here we are with an invitation to a dance with the Father where there's absolute freedom, where you are called to be the best version of you. But what we actually find ourselves doing is trying to keep up with everyone else around us so that we tick all the boxes. Things have got in us. Eden was so simple it was a dance with the father it was an invitation to explore there was no expectation of you to be anything other than you and in it all God was going to draw out the brilliance that he put in you doing things you never thought you would do and it would spark joy and it would put a smile on your face and it would breathe life this is a problem but what's God's answer Well, God's answer is he sends a saviour. God's answer is, I care too much to leave you hanging in this difficult situation. I'm going to bring people out of the struggle. I'm going to bring people out of all that's gripped them and set them free. His answer is Jesus, who we celebrate the birth of at this time of year. And when I look at Jesus and you look at his life biblically, he carried power. set people free yes he gave incredible teaching yes he was wise yes he included all comers but he he's demonstrated power to bring change everywhere he showed up he set people free from stuff people who couldn't walk were set free from their lameness and were able to walk he set lepers free people who weren't able to see he healed them and they were able to see he was setting people free from all that bound them there was a time when the disciples were worrying about paying a bill and he caught a fish and he said open the fish and in it was a coin and he was demonstrating what a dance with the father looks like you see in the world's terms you could never catch a fish and find a, find a bill paying coin in it. But Jesus says, But I'm not of this world. I come and bring the supernatural. I'm empowered to bring change to your world and set you free from all that boxes you in. I wonder what that was like for the disciples to experience that. Wow. Now there was me worrying about my income, and God supplied. It set me free from the pressure and the stress of worrying about it all. I don't need to worry because just like he did in the, in the walk to the promised land, God through Jesus has demonstrated he's not restricted by this world. He's here to bring life in its fullness and set us free from the struggles of this life. You know, there was a time when Jesus came across this guy called Zacchaeus who was a tax collector. And he was a tax collector who'd worked with other tax collectors. And in that environment, they'd become greedy and they egged each other on and they tried to keep up with each other. And Zacchaeus had got whipped up with it and it had got in him and he became greedy. And so he took more than he should have in taxes. And what did that mean? That meant the people hated him. He was excluded. The cheating tax collector who's taking more money from me than he should. He's wealthy and I'm poor because he's cheating me. Can you picture the scene? But then Jesus comes along. And Jesus has a meal with Zacchaeus and he sits him down. And in one encounter with Jesus, he is able to touch his heart, to open his eyes to the situation around him and set him free from it. In that moment, Zacchaeus had a fresh revelation. He says, I don't need to be doing this just because everyone else is doing it. That's not who I really am. And generosity sparked in him. And he gave more than he ever took to people. And what happened? It sparked relationship. Now they love Zacchaeus. He's given me more back. I can't believe it. What a great guy. Suddenly an encounter with the one who is in power to set us free has shifted Zacchaeus' whole life experience. He found there was more in him than he ever knew and things were shifted. Jesus is powerful to bring change. You know, he was inviting people all the while back into the dance with God, which was always supposed to be the case, demonstrated in Eden. I love the stories you find in Luke 8 and it's where Jesus is walking and a big crowd develops around him and people are pushing against him. And there's this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years who reaches out and touches Jesus. And let me read you the story here in Luke 8 and verses 43 to 48. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You see, what I love about this story is that blood speaks of life. You know, We have to have blood to live blood speaks of life and here is this woman who has been leaking life for 12 years but one encounter with the one who is empowered to set us free the one who is empowered to save us from our difficulty one encounter with him and the bleeding stops she stops leaking life and is positioned to live life. An encounter with freedom, an encounter with a saviour, an encounter with the one who is committed not to condemn us but to pull us out of struggle and position us to live properly changed everything and I love that. This is my Jesus. Jesus from there goes on to visit um, a man called Jairus, his daughter and uh, as he's on his way there and he gets sidetracked by talking to this lady The daughter dies, and and this is what happens. In Luke 8, 49 to 50, the next verses, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. Now, what unfolds is that Jesus goes into the room, puts his hand on her, and raises her. You see, in one incidence here, someone, this woman meets her savior who takes her out of leaking life and positions her to live life. And in the next incidence, there is death. But when they meet a saviour, life comes back. You see, Jesus isn't restricted by our world. He brings her back to life and releases hope again. You see, he carried power and authority to bring change. And do you know what? He still does. And so my question is, are we leaking life and struggling in life and wrestling through life when really what we need is a touch from our saviour? Do things look dead around you? You know, a hope, a dream, a business—you know, whatever it might be—you feel like you're dying inside. Well, you need a touch from the Saviour because He's not restricted, but He's powerful to bring change. Isn't it time we took a proper look at Jesus? You see, when life is leaking, when the pressure is too much, when all seems dead, a Saviour is born. He didn't come to condemn us, but He came to position us to live life. He came to save us from our struggles. And I love this because Jesus isn't just nice. He isn't just someone who came to tickle our intellect and to bring great wisdom and teaching and to challenge us. No, he came to remove the pressures of this world and to invite us into a dance with his father again. That's my Jesus. You know, God's motivation has always been love. His hope isn't just to have a, a moment with you, but his hope is to walk out this life with you and to celebrate this life with you. When we're talking about saving or a savior, it's not a one moment in time. The word save is a continuous thing. He is continually day by day saving us from our issues you know for me as I walk out with Jesus my hope is that this time next year I'll be a far better person than I am today why because I walk daily with Jesus and oh oh, you know I'm not the perfect finished article none of us are but you know what Jesus is committed and if I'll commit with him he says I'm going to save you Barry I'm going to keep helping you deal with your issues so that you can see clearly so that you can be the best version of yourself so that you can dream again so that you can reach higher so that you can do things you never thought you'd do why because I'm saving you from all that hinders you and I'm leading you into a dance with the father in life this is life is supposed to be great God made us to enjoy life God made us to to love each other, but in the pressures of our world, somewhere in it all, we've closed so much in, and Jesus says, come on, let me save you from that, and break it open, and I'll take you out of those pressures, but then I'll take the pressures out of you, so that you can be free to be the best version of yourself. You know, people are walking out life with hurts and rejections and addictions and struggling with how we see ourselves. And Jesus says, come on, you're amazing. And I made you amazing. And now I need to take you out of how you feel and then take it all out of you so that you can walk out life as the best version of you. He loves you so much. That's always his motivation. He didn't come to condemn us to say you're messing it up. He sees the struggle. He came to save us from it. Ultimately, Jesus defeated death. He died. He stared death in the face and death couldn't hold him. And he rose again. You see, death couldn't hold the Saviour. He rose again and he says, come on church, Um, who's with me? Let's go and live this life. And what that does is it releases hope in us. You know, hope for this experience in life right now that actually I'm here to enjoy it. I'm here to break out of it. I'm, I'm not restricted by all these things because when there's a bill coming my way and I haven't quite got enough, I know my God will supply. And when there's a sickness coming my way, I know my God will heal me. And when there's rejection coming my way, I know God will just set me free from it and I can live life unhindered. But because he defeated death, it sets me up for a hope for eternity. And here's what I love. We have an opportunity now to live life with an eternal perspective. I could live life now looking at what's around me and trying to achieve all I could just like everyone else. Or I could say, heaven's my home and I'm gonna live representing my home. And therefore, I have a different perspective. I have different goals. And I have a different source. And I dance with the Father through life. And you know what? It has its ups and downs, but he's always been with me. And he leads me forward. And I'm finding myself doing things I never thought I'd do. And I love it. And I love it. And if you would dance with the Father too, you'd have a Savior that pulls you out of all your wrestles. You'd have a saviour that's committed to walking out with you to get the things that have hurt you on the inside that have gripped you and get them off you so you can be free again and we could live something that looks much more like that Eden experience, the dance with the Father, which is just incredible. Father, I want to thank you for Jesus. What a beautiful name. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're powerful to bring change. Thank you that you overcame everything on our behalf. Lord, save us. Save us from all the pressures that are pinning us in. Lord, save us. Save us from all the things that have got in us and are affecting how we see things, how we think about things and how we speak about things. Lord, we say sorry for the habits we've formed, which are just unhealthy. And we say, help us, save us from them. Thank you that you don't come condemning us, but you come wanting to help us. We invite you in, Jesus, our Saviour. We want to dance with you again. Lord, in this moment, I want to declare hope to people that we could start dreaming again, that we could start believing for the best again. Lord, as we look around ourselves, and yes, the pressures of this world are real and we're in this, but Lord, we've got a Saviour who's committed to walking with us, we're not on our own. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are just desperate to show us what heaven looks like while we're on earth. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so willing to walk it out with us. So would you do that? Come walk out this life with us, Jesus. Let us dance with you again. And I declare freedom and health and life over everyone listening. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Hey, I hope that helped you. This is going to be a great Christmas, only a few days to go now, and you're going to be celebrating with the people you love. But know this, Jesus is committed to you, and he's come full of love, not to condemn you, but to save you. save you to position you for a great great life so go celebrate go live life hard go enjoy yourself go and try some new stuff and be blessed and hey i tell you what on christmas day we're going to be with you again at 10 a.m just for a half an hour service as we celebrate jesus on his birthday i look forward to seeing you then god bless you and all your household